Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. In for Bob Stoffer. He will be back tomorrow. I'll also have inside sports from 6 to 8 tonight. Kelly Rudy will join me on the show, former NHL goaltender. Well, we'll talk about uh, that uh, shot by Grandland that got over top of uh, Talbot's shoulder last night, turned out to be the game winner. Uh, Ken Reed is coming up in half an hour. Love talking to Ken. He's uh, not just a TV sportscaster anymore. Author, turning out the books, Hockey Card Stories 2 is now available. I'll say it for Ken. Christmas is coming. For that hockey fan in your family. Don't mind giving Ken a plug. He does some great work and he's always a fun guy to talk to. Uh, a lot of talk, obviously, about the Oilers special teams and a lot of talk about the uh, Oilers line combinations. I'll tell you what would make an incredible first line for the Oilers. You get McDavid, you get Nugent Hopkins, and you build the time machine and you go back 30 years and you get the 1988 version of this man, our next guest, Craig Simpson. Hey, Craig, that sounds like a plan, eh? I wouldn't mind that, yeah. <laughs> Having a guy like that uh, feeding you would be a lot of fun, for sure. Well, and uh, you took a lot of abuse in front of the net when you played, and actually that's, an- that's another theme we'll-, we'll get to as we talk to you as well about tipping pucks and uh, having a bit of a net front presence because so far in just six games as an Oiler, uh, Chason has-, has brought that as well. L- let's start a-, a little bit with the, with the line discussion, Craig. I-, I mean, my argument would be is uh, if you're picking a third guy for the top line, um, you're kind of making a hope pick. I know there's a lot of people saying, well, accountability, accountability. If Kajula takes a penalty, he shouldn't play up there uh, anymore. We'll, we'll see what they actually roll out with for uh, for the game tomorrow. But but how, I'll, I'll kind of ask you a two-parter. How do you look at the Oilers' line structure and do sometimes observers, and I'll put fans and media in that together, do sometimes observers place too much importance on what the combos are from day to day? Well, I think it goes from team to team, and it's one where if you have a natural fit or you have you know, three players who have great chemistry who are all top-notch players, it, you know, if you looked at a line, you could put Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins together, and you wouldn't have to necessarily change them all year. Uh, but that's not the reality of the depth of a team. And right now when you're 11 games in, 
um, there has to be some of it that's more than just the production. I mean, you've got nine forwards right now who are at, uh, you know, an under eight goal pace for the season. So you don't have anybody who's really standing out. I mean, Chason is somebody who hasn't really done it on a consistent basis, but at least in a stretch, you say, okay, well, where can I maximize a guy who maybe has a good feel and getting something going? But it's not like every other team in the NHL has the coach that's sitting. And I, and I lived it uh, here in Edmonton as well. You look at your coaching board with your lines, and every time you think you have a good uh, uh, combination in one or two of the lines, it totally screws up either a defensive line or a fourth line that you you know you can't trust if you move some guy here and there. So there, there are so many different factors, and it's probably the most frustrating thing from a coaching perspective when you don't have just a lineup that is really clicking and playing well together and you don't need to move it. And that's really not what they have. I, I think I said to you earlier, <laughs> you know, you go back to that 1988 and you had Gretzky, Curry, and Tikkanen, and Messier, Anderson, and myself. And so it wasn't like the coach needed every day to go, I wonder what's going to go. You, you only had a couple of other things. Who was going to be on the checking line? You had a fourth line that you trusted. And there aren't a lot of teams that have that from start to finish in the course of a regular season. So it's commonplace to be tinkering. It's commonplace to be tinkering within a game. But I think the most you know, disappointing or disturbing is that nobody is really shown from their play, whether it's with the exception, as they just said, of, of Chase on finally getting a chance and then scoring some goals. I mean, that puts you in a position to say, okay, who are you clicking with? I'll, I'll go with you a little bit more. But you're 11 games in now, and you've got so many with one or none, and uh, that's become a difficult uh, place to say who's the natural fit there. And for a guy like Puliarvi that people are talking about, you know, the reality is for him, it's not so much the production-wise. I'm sure of it. The discussion is about how you have to play the game to be in every night. And that probably has been the disappointing part at times, which is why he sat. And I know the criticism of saying, okay, you're sitting three or four straight games. But you also have to try to win some games early on. And if you're the head coach and you uh, sat a player down, maybe even with the mindset of hey, Jesse's only going to sit for one game, and you have a good game and win, and then you win another, then you win another. Uh, you know, it's 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 all about trying to get some early wins in the bank to have some confidence as a team. So I'm not surprised that he sat for four. I would be surprised, though, if he doesn't get a chance to either get in and say, okay, well, this is what we've been working on with you for two weeks. Uh, show me not from a goal-scoring perspective, but show me from a play perspective that you understand what you need to do. And if that doesn't happen... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you say, okay, we, we got to work on your game at a higher level in the American League. Go down there uh, with this uh, distinguished uh, idea that you're going to play in the top line and see if you can work your way in that way. Well, that's what I wonder too, Craig. If, if it's just time to say, hey, man, like go to the, NA, go to the AHL, you're going to play a lot. You can really take a lot of time to focus on some individual things. You know, you get the you get the practice time in uh, because I, I like and I and I've I've been critical of Puljujarvi's play. I've I've said to people, I said, tell me what he does better than I others. Think rightly so. Yeah. I, I and and I I think that's where you know you you have to um, balance the fact of 
you know, what's that demotion going to do at this time? And, and I think that's why you're probably hesitant. You don't want to crush the kid and uh, take away all his confidence. You can say as an organization or as a coach, you know, we're doing this to really help you. We still believe in you, but we got to get you ice time. But there's a lot of times and a lot of personalities. I, I don't know him, you know, uh, in depth personally, but there's a lot of different types of players that might take that and say, you know what, I got no confidence. That's a great idea. I'm going to go down and I'm going to score seven goals in the first five, six games and be back here. Whereas another would say, you know, they're all against me. Nobody's giving me a shot. It, it's all the mindset of the player. And I'm sure that's part of the the danger that the, the management and coaching staff would have. I think ideally going down there and playing a better role if he's not going to play here is, is definitely the thing to do. I think he'll probably get one more, one or two games more chance to say, you know, what have you learned from sitting and watching for four games and, and getting an opportunity to work and practice and sit and watch film and, and see what happens from there. And uh, should note today, just uh, in touch with Jack Michaels at Oilers practice, that uh, Ty Ratty uh, at practice did say, take some turns with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid. So he's getting closer to returning. And obviously that was his spot uh, yeah. uh, on the top line. And it didn't like he looked like he was losing it before he, he got injured. So that's another thing to remember as we move along here. Craig, we got we got to jump into the special teams discussion. Let, let's start with the penalty kill from uh, from last night as they were unable to kill off uh, a single wild power play and uh pretty pretty interesting to sit here saying they, they could have gone 33 percent on the pk and probably got a point at least out of the game but it didn't work out that way do, do, do you see things creeping in that were a weakness uh last year was that good execution maybe by the wild as opposed to faltering by the oilers what did you think well the, the third one was a a perfect shot uh, you know you can argue cams down early but it's it's literally about a four inch area and it was off the crossbar and down so a perfect shot but the guy should never be able to walk in five six feet and get the shot from there i think part of the the problem that plagued them last year was their inability to get shooting lanes their inability to read with good sticks where the passing lanes are and they they opened up so many passing lanes last year i've seen some of that again this year and a lot of times just a little bit too passive and, and bunched into the middle the the second goal very much the same thing up top you don't take away any of the passing options and then Suter just is able to get a little wrister through and get a wrister through two guys in front I mean typically on a good penalty kill that top forward doesn't allow that shot to get through he at least is in it with either his stick or his body and, you know, I, I think that's been a real problem with this penalty kill over the course of the, the last year and, and now to start the season. And so at times, you know, the, that passive play, I, I, you know, it's hard to break it down on radio, but I, I think at times the, the two forwards don't really seem to work in unison to take away one, make sure you got the shooting lane, and then two, when it goes down to the half wall, you know, choke that pass back off. And I think too often it's easy for the teams to move the puck around. And, you know, you're going to have times where you have uh, a bad night and bad luck or, you know, a couple of good goals. But uh, that's definitely one that's really accentuated when you have a night like that where 
uh, three for three loses you the hockey game. Well, and you use the word passive. I, I think it was uh, I think it was Parisi after the game in a post game interview actually said they have a pretty passive penalty kill. So the Wild players noticed that on the ice and, and took advantage of it. I had the stat off the uh, top of the show that's uh, that's going to uh, alarm people a little bit. Sixty nine point four percent now for the season. That's twenty eighth yep. in the NHL. So they'll try to work that back up. Power play still okay overall. Twenty one point nine percent. Fourteenth. I would still give the power play more positive nights than negative, Craig. Uh, they yep. did get one shortly after a power play expired in the first period. But man, early in the third, early in the third, you got one to go up four three, and it didn't generate much. Yeah, and I think at times it's uh, it's been fairly confident. I think they've moved the puck around with uh, uh, pretty good ease and pretty good uh, direction. And part of it is, you know, are you that predictable or are you telegraphing where your pass is? The, the best power plays are the individuals really reading each other well, taking a man and a penalty killer one way and then throwing the puck back the other. I, I still am a little bit stymied as with, with five lefties out there why the majority of the time they're working from that right side. I, I just think that if you look at the other uh, successful power plays around, uh, you know, Washington will work it because they have those two righties on the point and in the slot area will work it from that side. Uh, but when you've got all lefties, I think you have to take the tack that Winnipeg does with their four righties. Uh, you know, they play the right side so that Wheeler can shoot the puck or fake that he's going to shoot and get uh, the defender to move his stick. Now he's got a righty in Shifley. He can give a one-time or two. He's got, um, yeah, on the back end, he's got Truba there for a one-shot. So I'm a little surprised that they haven't spent some more time with either McDavid on the left side so that he, you know, he, he's now showing that he's a threat to score with that wrister. And from that side, now all of a sudden you can open a one-timer to Clefbaum or in the high slot a quick little dump pass for a one-timer from Dreisaitl. Uh, it, it just, to me, seems at times they, they have the puck control and they're moving it well and they're showing good confidence. But because they don't really have that one-timer or even with McDavid on the half wall there, it's a lot easier to take away the shooting lane when you're on the left on the right side as a left shot walking in. Um, so on the left side as a left shot, as I said, you can challenge down low, and it forces that defender to move to his right, which opens up those one-timers. So I, if nothing else, I would be surprised if you didn't see a few more adjustments and them trying that a little bit more. But overall, as you said, Reed, if, if you finish in that 22% for the year, you know, it's been a good year. And uh, I think early in the season, those numbers are always accentuated because you can have – an early night like that where you go 0 for 5 and you go, oh, man, if we just could have got the power play going, we'd win a hockey game. Yeah. Craig Simpson joining us on Oilers now. Reed Wilkins in for Bob Stoff today. Oilers lose 4-3 last night to the Wild. Tomorrow home to Chicago, 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Chad, the game will start at 7. Craig, deflection goals. The Oilers... Don't score many of them. Uh, you know, no. um, you know what I was. I, I was talking to somebody just before the season, and we were trying to remember some from last year, and and I struggled to. Uh, Chason got one last night, and he had another uh, helper, not an assist actual on the score sheet, but he helped Bouchard get his first NHL goal because he was parked right in front of Holtby. I, I know Rob Brown often points out that Lucic is beside the goalie when the shot comes in. Yeah, too often. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so how I do you change that mentality then? Well, it, it's, it, first and foremost, it's the philosophy of saying, 
I don't need you to kick out and be a support down low uh, unless there's a specific set play uh, variant off your your setup that you do kick out and then somebody else takes that middle role. But it's it's two front. You you need in today's power plays some of those deflections. Uh, you know, again, I do Toronto a lot, and you've got Tavares with his stick on the ice uh, uh, when the sh- threat of the shot's coming from the one side. And you've got Kadri in the in the high slot with another high tip like the Sedins used to do out in Vancouver. But the other is the shot from the front. If you have somebody mirroring the goaltender, oftentimes you don't even necessarily are the guy that get an assist or get a goal. But that mirror with all the puck movement out high forces the goaltender to fight like crazy to find where the puck is going and where where the puck is and then where it's going to be passed to at times. Because of that screen, if McDavid is threatening off the half wall and the goaltender can't see the puck, and all of a sudden McDavid slides it across to the other side, the goaltender's a second or two or even three from reading where that pass was. And often that's what gets you the goal. So I would agree. I think at times there hasn't been the screen. The screen's been off to the side, and then the timing of the shot is there with nobody in front. And other times even uh, you, you know, when the shots are coming from the side, is to be in that hunt-the-puck mode of getting a piece of it or being off the net uh, and, and making sure you get a tip. But like, like anything, it's something easily done every single day in practice. I, I mean, it was like doing a warm-up skate at the end of practice. Uh, you always get a defenseman or get a coach or somebody to shoot pucks and tip pucks all day. And it's like anything, and repetition, repetition, repetition. If you do it every day and you take a hundred or so pucks sooner or later it just becomes in your sleep you've got a chance to get a piece of it but I I think often the most successful ones and TJ Oshie does it well in Washington where you know mirrors the puck across and just makes it so difficult for the goaltender's eyes to connect where all the quick puck movement is going and a lot of times that's the thing that gets the goal not even necessarily the tip now did you because you scored a lot of goals in front of the net on rebounds and tips when it came to deflections did you already have that as a pretty good skill in the NHL, or did you have to develop it a bit? Well, like anything, I, I had it. It was a, a big part of, uh, well, my skill set, I guess you would say. But it's it's like anything that you're you're good at. Uh, you don't say, okay, I can do this, and I won't practice it. It's like right. The best players in the league practice the things that they have a, an affinity for and get better and better and better. And just like you're seeing with a guy like McDavid, uh, with his speed or with his hands or now driving the net. You know, he was good at that, but I would say he wasn't good at finishing. Now he seems to have a real calm and confidence of making that quick shot or pulling it and putting it short side. You know, those are things that I guarantee he practices now because he realizes that the, that's a, a real high skill set of him. So, you know, it was every I, – I can't remember a day that you wouldn't do it in practice from tips in front uh, and at times tips with your stick turned the other way, so you only had the knob of your stick. And uh, it, it's like getting into the habit of seeing the puck at a certain speed and, and really feeling comfortable with it. So it, so many young kids have always said in minor hockey, you know, even a lot of them don't work on their shot or their one-timer and just expect to do it in the game. If you're not practicing it in huge repetition, like a NBA player at the free throw line or the three-point line, how do you expect to do it in the game? So it's got to be commonplace and it's got to be part of your routine and practice. 
Craig, always interesting. You're here every Wednesday. Of course, Bob will be back on with you next week. What game do you have coming up here Saturday? Uh, I'm off to uh, Pittsburgh for Toronto-Pittsburgh on Saturday. Awesome. Enjoy it. Craig, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Uh, All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's Craig Simpson every Wednesday at 12.30 here on uh, Oilers Now. Man, great stuff from Craig today on uh, on uh, some line combination stuff, breaking down the Oilers special teams. And, uh, yeah, when it comes to deflections, that has been a, uh, what do we call it, a, a team-wide deficiency on the Oilers, not just this year, but for several seasons. So that's covering off a, a lot of players that haven't brought that skill set Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, maybe Chase on can keep doing it, and maybe it's something that can rub off on some other guys as well. It's 12.52. Quick timeout. Hi, this is Ryan Eden Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6.30 Chad. All right, there's the Nuge. Got an assist last night on the dry sidle goal. Some guests on Oilers Now received gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Bob Stoffer. Thanks for coming along for the ride today. Ken Reed and Chris Joseph in the next hour of the show. You can call 780-496-0063. Text line is 630-630. Brendan, uh, give me a couple texts. All right, we got one in here uh, from P-Man. He says, what are the odds that the New York Rangers uh, give up Mika Zibanejad for Jesse Pugliarvi and a later round pick? Mika's had a good shot and a lot of speed, and he's on a really good contract. A lot of trade suggestions. You guys love the trade suggestions. Uh, Reed, I think the bigger concern for this team is that we have no third pairing that we can rely on for defense. We need to upgrade that position. That's from Paul. Uh, yes, that's very fair. I completely agree with that, Paul. And uh, finally here, I wouldn't get uh, hopes too high or start to expect a lot of scoring from Chase on. He's had multiple streaks in his career. For example, six goals in his first six NHL games. <clears throat> excuse me, but he's been uh, unable to establish himself as a consistent point producer. Well, yes, and obviously that's why he keeps going on PTOs. But at least he's someone who's scoring right now. Is someone else going to have a good six to ten game burst? Uh, I think that's a pretty big question mark right now. You can book with New West Travel. Oilers fans, join Oilers now on two great road trips to Nashville and Las Vegas to see the Oilers play in two of the most exciting arenas in the league. The Oilers now package includes airfare, accommodation, great game tickets, including a private suite in Vegas, all your transportation, a welcome reception with Stoffer and special guests, and parking at Value Park at Edmonton International Airport. Limited space to get on these road trips to see Nashville and Las Vegas. For the Oilers now road trips, call the travel experts New West Travel, 780-432-744. Six online newwesttravel.com. We're back after the news with Ken Reed. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.